Welcome everyone and happy Father's Day. Whether you're whether you're here with us or you're joining us online, we are very happy you're joining us. So before we get kicked off, I'm going to open it up in prayer and, and I'm, I'm just going to open it up in prayer for um, the sermon and then just, just pray a, a blessing for the dads um, this Father's Day. Um, there's enough going on, so we, all, we, we could all use a blessing. Well, well, let's just all get blessed. Let's just do that. So Lord, we, d- we just thank you that, that you have given us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, and we just, we just claim that blessing now in the name of Jesus. And, and specifically, we just pray a blessing on the dads. We thank you, Lord, that you have put um, a very specific part of who you are to us in the heart of a father for him to reflect, and we just thank you um, for doing that. And, and for every father um, listening, for every pa- father who's receiving this blessing now, Lord, um, I just pray um, that you would just continue to just pour yourself out to him, that you would just continue to um, equip him in all the ways that a father should be equipped to reflect you in all the ways that a father is supposed to reflect you, and that you would just bring strength, and that you'd bring compassion and love to their heart in the name of Jesus. And I also just pray, Holy Spirit, we, we, we invite you here this morning as we um, continue this sermon series. We say yes and amen to everything that you want to accomplish this morning. And, and to, you know, when people are listening to this online, we just invite you to, to examine our hearts. We invite you to evaluate our minds. Um, I invite you to, to speak through me and to bring clarity to what I'm trying to articulate and that you would just um, do the good work that you want to do this morning. In your name we pray, amen. All right, so uh, this Sunday, we are continuing our series on the armor of God. And if there is not a better time to be talking about the armor of God, I think we'd all agree that is right now. Um, But for myself personally, you know, I've been reading through Ephesians 6 in preparation for this. And um, this sermon series was actually Mike's idea. And so when he came to me with it, you know, I, I've known the armor of God. I learned the armor of God in, in Sunday school in church. And so I've known about the armor of God for a while. And I think in some ways, Christians who've been Christians for a long time, that can be kind of dangerous because we tend to get kind of cynical about things. And we tend to go, well, I've known that since I was a kid. Like, what, you, know, what, you know, what else is there to talk about? But I got to tell you guys, I've been, reading, um, I've been reading through the armor of God during my quiet times and trying to read it through a fresh lens. And it's been amazing. I've, I have loved it. The Lord has spoken some new things to me, and I'm, I'm really excited to talk about that. And, and I am honestly more on fire than ever that this is the best time to be a Christian. It just really is. It is the best time to be a Christian because with everything going on globally and culturally and socially, we were created for times like this. If, if, you've, if, if you've been kind of reading through Ephesians 6 with us, as we've been doing the armor of God, but you haven't been reading the whole book of Ephesians, the whole letter that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, I would encourage you to do that. Because if you, you know, pretty much chapters 1 through 4 is pretty much all, is Paul talking about how, like, we're built for the fight. We are already victorious. We are blessed in every blessing of the heavenly places. We are united with him in heavenly places. We are made right with him through the sacrifice of Jesus, and we are equipped, empowered, and victorious for the struggle that's ahead for us. It is, it is so much of a, a powerful reminder of who we are in Christ. 
And then you get to chapter 6, and there's this kind of tone shift. Like, yes, you are victorious in all things. Yes, you are powerful in all things. You are in Christ. You are rectified. You are reconciled. You are one with the body of Christ. But you're going to struggle. You're going to struggle. There's going to be fights. There's going to be hardship and difficulty. And that's, why we have to, and that's why we have to be armored. That's why we have to be ready. That's why we have to be equipped and, 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 and on guard and alert and awake. So, so we've been talking for the last several weeks. And, and, and in some ways, it, it simplifies things for us. You know, because you know, right now we've got this coronavirus and you've got everything going on with, with, with the coronavirus. And, and what, you know, this official says this and this official says this and the, the news says this and this says this. And then you've got all this racial tension going on in the world, and you've got, you know, Antifa here, and police officers, and, and the government, and all these people saying different things. And, but then you read Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10, and, he, and here's what Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 says. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So we can watch the news, and we can read things online, and we can look at things, and, and, and it can feel confusing, and it can feel murky, and we can, we, we can not know what to believe. What's, what's, right? what's, what's right? What's true? But then you go to the word of God, and they're like, no, 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 no. All this stuff is going on, it's one. It's one enemy. One enemy with one goal is pulling all these strings. With the singular goal to kill, steal, destroy. Divide, conquer, strip joy, strip hope, take love out of the equation. We're taught by the word of God that we have one enemy. And it's an enemy without a face. We can't see this enemy with our naked eye. But they're at work in the background. And I don't know about you guys, but actually, that's actually a relief to me. That actually, that, in, in my mind, that makes things so much simpler. That makes things so much easier. Well, I don't know about easier, but it's so much simpler when that's, that's the enemy. That's who we're doing combat with. That's who our struggle is with, is that with that one enemy. And so in the previous weeks, Mike has talked about, we've, we've gone through, um, picking back up in, in verse 13, therefore, because we're at war with this one enemy, put on the full armor of God. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. We're going to be, we're going to be diving in and camping out. At, you know, what is the shield of faith? You know, in, in, this, in this imagery, in this, in this analogy that, that Paul is using to describe, you know, these spiritual disciplines that we have, you know, why 
the shield of faith. And so, of course, you know, as I've been kind of, as I was kind of trying to articulate what all I was trying to say, you know, I know for me, I don't know about you guys, I can get confused sometimes about, you know, well, what's the difference between faith and hope and, and, and you know, what, what, what does that matter? And especially since we, we've talked about the belt of truth, you know, if, if we know what truth and, and, and lies are, what, how, what, what role does faith play in that relationship? And so I, I like the, the definition here. I found it, it seems really simple as, is faith is complete trust or confidence in someone or something. It's complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Because Mike talked back about the belt of truth, about how knowing truth is so important. Having truth in our lives is so important. But where faith comes in is, is there's a difference between knowing truth and believing truth. And the difference is this. It's really easy to know truth. It's really easy to hear something or read something and go, that's true. I've, I've done my research, I've, I've weighed it, and this is true. It's a, complete, it's a completely different story to believe it. Because when you believe something, right or wrong, if you, if you, when, once you believe something and you, and you internalize it in your heart as having, tr- having complete trust and confidence in this thing or in this person, that faith, good or bad, is going to change you. It's going to change your mind. It's going to change your behavior. It's going to change your response to things. That's, that, that's why having faith in Jesus is meant to change our hearts so drastically because we put our complete trust and faith in him and, and by doing that, we give him power and permission to change our hearts and lives. That's, what that, that's the power of faith in our lives is, is when we believe someone or something, we believe Jesus or, or we believe a lie, we give it the power in our hearts to change us. That's the power of faith. I learned in... Um, I learned in doing youth ministry that statistically, um, ch- uh, kids believe the first thing they hear about a topic. So as a kid, whether they're riding the school bus to school or they're watching YouTube or TV, you know, whatever they hear about a specific topic, statistically, they believe it. Again, good or bad, right or wrong, they're kids. Statistically, the first thing they hear about is something they believe. And maybe they don't even necessarily hear it but they assume it, or they piece it together. You know, ki- you know what's the saying? Ki- kids are, are great observers, but they're not great under, you know, discerners. You know, they, they observe things, and they draw conclusions to things. But, but needless to say, that first thing they stay here, they believe it. And then, you know, most of you can relate to this. Later in life, as you grow up, and you realize this thing that you believe is wrong, it's much more difficult to change how you believe about something later in life because your mind is used to believing that thing. And your mind is an amazing thing. Your mind will fervently and feverishly defend what it believes to be true. It will change the lens you, f- you view the world. It will change the lens you view life through. It will impact the circumstances you have to back up that whatever you believe, right or wrong, is true. And so later in life, as we determine that what we're believing is wrong and that we need to believe what's right, it's, much, it's a much more intentional and, defi- and difficult discipline to change what you believe later on. 
But I believe that's why, you know, Paul talks about the shield of faith. Because if, if we're putting our faith in the right things, if we're putting our faith in Jesus and, and, and truth in general, then our shield can be a faith, or a, our faith can be a shield. Our, our faith can protect us. It can defend us. It, 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 can, it can defend us from harm, which is important because as Christians, again, if, if you read Ephesians, we're, take, we're, we're, we're meant to be taking ground. You know, we're, we were made for the struggle. You know, I, you know, I believe that um, chronic fatigue, anxiety, fear, those can come from having your faith in the wrong things. But I think those things can also come from not engaging in the battle you were created to be engaged in. I think, I think some people can run from the fight they were created for, and that running can cause fatigue and anxiety. And it can also come from putting your faith in the wrong things. And so if, if your faith is in the correct things and you have this shield of faith, then you need that shield because as you progress and as you advance into the darkness and you bring heaven with you, of course you're going to take fire. The shield of faith doesn't prevent, you, prevent trouble from happening. The shield of faith does not prevent um, you know, harm coming from you, but it protects you because you're going to take fire as you advance into darkness and you advance into new territory. But the danger is, is if your faith is not in Jesus, or, or maybe your faith is in Jesus, but it's in the wrong things, or your faith is in lies in, in different areas of your life, then your faith is less of a shield and is more of a bullseye. Because just like your faith has the, has the power to defend you, if your faith is in the wrong things, your faith has the power to actually bring trouble to you. Your faith actually has the power to bring more trouble to your door if you're not careful. I remember um, in my, my early 20s, I had this mindset, and some of you may be able to relate, where, you know, things are going really good. You know, th- things are going really well, and they, they go well for a month, two, three months, whatever. And then all of a sudden, this, this, this thing would come on me. I'd go, oh, man, things have been going really good for a while. Something bad is about to happen because things have been going too well for too long and the shoe's about to drop. And you know the funny thing is? Something happened. Imagine that. Because I had faith that something bad was going to happen. I had this belief that because things were that, that things couldn't go well for too long before something bad happened, and because I had faith that that would happen, something would inevitably happen. Like I said, your mind, whatever you have, whatever belief you have faith in, you empower that thing to happen in your life, good or bad. You can call it self-fulfilling prophecy. You can call it, I mean, whatever terminology you want to put on it, it it happens. And so imagine, I'm going to read some, I'm going to read some things off. I'm I'm, going to read some, some truths off. We are blessed with every blessing in the heavens. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. We are raised up and seated with Christ in heavenly places. We exist, I love this one, we exist so that God can display his immeasurable riches of grace and kindness to us. 
God is able to do above and beyond all that we can ask or think. And those are, just, those are just things that I found in Ephesians. I was reading the book of Ephesians. Those are all in Ephesians. So as I was reading through those, you know, you may have said, you may have said, yeah, all those are true. Yeah, all those are true. But that's not the question. The question is, do you believe them? Because you may say, okay, it's true that we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, but do you live that way? Is the fruit of that truth evident in your life? Do you walk free of shame? You may say that God is able to do above and beyond all that we can ask or think, but are you asking big things of him? Are you... Are you, are, you te- are you giving him something to work with? You see, what we have faith in produces fruit in our lives, good or bad. And so the fruit of our lives, how we, re- how we behave, the way we respond to things, that's what determines what we believe. And if you're not seeing the fruit in your lives from these things, then, then, then the, the next question is, what do I believe in its place? And the next question is, am I capable of believing this? The, you know, it, it's, 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 it's true. Um, we have a finite amount of faith. You know, there, there's, a lot, there's a lot of peop- things that be- people believe about faith. But we, we have a finite amount of faith in our lives. And so um, there's, this, there's this part in Romans um, chapter 12, and it's a really brief section. It's really easy to skip over, but it's very important. There's this section in Romans chapter, th- chapter 12, verse 3, where Paul is um, talking to the church in Rome, and he's cautioning them about how they view themselves and how they talk about themselves. And he ends verse 3 with this one statement. He says, In accordance with the faith of God, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. So what Paul is saying is that God distributes a measure of faith to all of us. Which, some people may not like that. I actually love that. I'll tell you why I love that. I love it because faith is not some, th- some muscle that I have to like, build up on my own. My faith is not something that I have to conjure up in my own strength. Just like wisdom, just like love, just like um, my, my, my fortitude, those are things that I can ask God for and that he'll give me more of if I ask for them. I mean, in, in Mark chapter 9 is the story of the boy with the evil spirit, and the boy's father comes, comes to, the, to Jesus, and you got to think, I mean, this has been some problem that they've had this boy's entire life. Being thrown into fire, not being burned. I mean, it's like a, it's like a, a real life, like the conjuring that, that this, this family is like living through. And Jesus comes to him and he goes, and, and, the, and the father asks, like, you know, are you able to do this? And Jesus goes, I can do this easily if you have faith. And, and, and he goes, help my unbelief. And you know how Jesus helps his unbelief? He, he, he helps the boy easily. This problem they, that has ruined their lives for years, Jesus just fixes like that. And Jesus helped his unbelief. In Luke chapter 17, 
Jesus is talking to his apostles and giving them a new standard of living. You know, if your brother's in sin, confront them. If, you're a bro- if your brother sins against you and repents, forgive them. If they come to you every day repenting of a sin, forgive them every day. And the apostles' response is, give us faith to know that we can even do this. And that's when Jesus goes into the famous, you know, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can tell this mountain to go into the ocean and it'll go. Because what we, what we tend to do is, is when, we're, when we're up against something that seems inter- insurmountable, it feels so big to us. And we think, okay, God, I need this ocean of faith in order to do this thing that you want me to do, that in order to get past this thing that you've told me to get past. And, and God's like, actually, a, a dropper of faith. If I, if, I, if I put a dropper of faith on this church, the world would be changed forever. We don't need an ocean. If I put a dropper of faith on this church, the world would never look the same. So the good thing about our faith coming from God is that as long as you have enough faith to ask for more, you'll always have enough. As long as you, know, as long as you have enough faith to ask, you'll always have enough because it's not in your strength. It's, the, it's God who gives it to you. So what's your standard for your life this morning? Is your standard just to, give it, just, to, just to get through life, just to live a good life? Because Jesus' standard for us is that we live an impossible life. That we live a life that we look back on and we go, there is no way I could do that. That was not me. People look from the outside and go, how are, you, how are you living with so much peace at a time like this? How are you so joyful in a time like this? How did you, how did you, how did you thrive in the midst of, of, of an economic recession? How did you continue to give and be generous to people in the midst of all of this? How did you, you, know, how did you change this person's mind and heart? How did you have favor in this situation? We should live in, impo- you know, our, our mandate is to live impossibly. And part of that is examining our, and, and, and a large part of that is examining our faith. Is your, is your faith protecting you from harm or is it inviting harm? Do you need to put your faith in, do you need to intentionally put your faith into some, to some new truth? Do you need some help? Do you need more faith? The good news is all you have to do is ask. but our faith is meant to be, it, the, the heart of God in Psalm, in, in Psalm 3, verse 3, it is the heart of God. God says, I am a shield. Like his, his, heart is for, his heart is to shield us and to defend us and to fight for us. But just like the garden, he, at the end of the day, he lets us choose, and we choose by what we put our faith in. And he's inviting us now to ex- maybe, maybe, maybe believe some truth that we've known for a long time, but maybe put our faith in it for the first time. Maybe, maybe you, you, you thought that the faith that you had was the faith that you were stuck with and you didn't know that you could ask for more. Maybe, maybe, it's, maybe you feel empowered today knowing that if you don't feel like you have enough, you can always ask for more and you don't need an ocean, you need a dropper. A dropper would 
change the world. But we are victorious. We were, when God made you, like, he's not having to retrofit you for what's happening right now. He's not going, oh man, I need to, I need to do some things to Kim so that she can, she can take care of what she needs to and represent me during, during all this crazy in 2020. He made us fully aware, fully knowing what we were going to live through, and he put us in this time, in this place, for this specific purpose. We are here to bring light and kingdom in the midst of this struggle, and we have everything that we need. But do we believe it? If we believe it, no flaming dart can hurt us, and no darkness can hold us back. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you that you are sitting on your throne laughing right now. Psalm says that you, are, you laugh at the schemes of the enemy. That you are not worried, you're not frustrated, you're not off your game. You are on your throne laughing. And Lord, I pray that we would reflect your heart in that right now that we would not allow fear or anxiety to overtake us, that we would laugh with you at what's happening because you are bigger than what's happening in the world. That you bring unity, you bring love, you bring peace, you bring truth, you bring light in the darkness, and that you have equipped all of us to, to not bring opinions, to, to not raise our voice, but to bring your kingdom at this time and in this place. And we celebrate you, Jesus. That it's all because of you and it's all for you. We, I, I speak your blessing on everyone who's hearing this message right now. I speak faith. I speak a dropper of faith in the name of Jesus on everyone who's hearing this message. Enough faith to change the world and to make your name great. Thank you, Jesus, that you are generous with your faith. Holy Spirit, help us to examine our hearts and minds so that we can know what our faith is in and help us to see the things that we need to change. Help us to see if our faith is a shield or a bullseye and show us what we need to put our faith in to have a shield so that we can take new ground for you. We love you, Lord. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.